Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranichine Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 6.30, Chad. Matheson, backdrop pass, tries on a rich hot score. Chris Russell, his first goal as an Edmonton Oiler, gives the visitors a 4-3 lead with 7.58. Turns out to be the game winner. The Oilers outlast the Panthers 4-3. Wild game, especially the second period. Entertaining game. A lot of good offensive players showing their wares tonight. The Oilers get it done. 4-3 over the Panthers. Bouncing back from a subpar performance last night in Tampa Bay. Russell's first goal since last February 11th. He had gone 60 games without scoring. A beautiful setup with McDavid and Dreisaitl also involved. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 8.41. My name is Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. Yarmir Yager's former teammate, Rob Brown. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. Man, what a game. I imagine Oilers fans were... Uh, one minute jumping up and down, the next minute throwing a Kleenex box or something at their TVs. I won't say the remote because you need your remote if you're going to change the channel later. But, but I mean, I really think, Rob, we talk a lot about mistakes and breakdowns. I, I really thought a lot of good offensive players on both sides of the puck tonight were making plays, and that's why we got the kind of game we got. Yeah, and it's funny. When you think of the Florida Panthers, you never think of them as an offensive juggernaut. But they've got some highly skilled players. Barkov was was very good tonight. Huberto was good. I thought Yarmer Yager stood out tonight. Uh, you know, sometimes you see games where he's able to make the plays, but he looks a step slower. Tonight he didn't. He every time he had the puck on his stick, he was dangerous. And both teams were creating. Now, part of the reasons they were creating is there were some turnovers, there was some poor puck management. But both teams were guilty of that, and the offensive players took advantage of it. So it was an entertaining game. It was uh, an important two points for the Edmonton Oilers. And there will be some teaching moments also through video tonight and tomorrow for the, for the Oilers because there were some mistakes that can be fixed. Uh, having said that, it, it was a good night where for the second night in a row, the Oilers had to suck it up as they lost uh, a defenseman and had to go with five going through most of the second half of the game. So it was good on them and, and a, a good start to this road trip as they're now halfway through with a winning record. Andre Sekra basically lost for the last two periods. He got hurt, uh, what was it, 19 seconds, 21 seconds into the second period, briefly came back and then left. I saw Todd McClellan saying looked more like a soft tissue injury, so they'll look at him again tomorrow. So hopefully he's back Friday or very soon after, and they are hoping Adam Larson plays Friday. The goal scorers for Edmonton, Clefbaum, 
Cassian, Nugent Hopkins, and Russell. That Cassian goal, the assists were switched a couple of times. Now they've given him the goal, so must have glanced off his stick after <laughs> I, Driver shot it on the way in. Rob and I saw it a few times. We we weren't sure, but but it goes with Cassian. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I'll get to the phone lines in a second. Another thing for me, Rob, is we said a few times, starting about halfway through the second period. We're like, are they seriously going to keep McDavid and Dreisaitl off the score sheet tonight? Because those they were flying, they were around the net, and they finally play a huge part in the game-winning goal. Well, they're just so dangerous. And it's funny, after the first period, you and I were talking, I said, I don't understand why Florida's putting their best line, the Barkoff line, up against McDavid. Because Barkov and Huberto are fantastic hockey players, but they are spending their entire time in their own zone. They can't contain the McDavid line. Eventually, they change so the Barkov and Huberto could get away from that. But McDavid and Drysidle, I I keep reiterating the point where they see the game so similar to each other. They know where to put the puck. They know when to move it. They know when not to move it. Uh, and eventually they were rewarded because there was a number of great scoring chances tonight by that line. Each of them could have had one or two goals. And they, between the two of them with the passing, McDavid and Drysettle setting up Russell. And Russell ends up having a wide open net to put the puck into. So the, the other's best line was the big factor in the third period as Florida had their push, but there was one mistake made and the best line, McDavid line, took full advantage of it and took it in and put the puck in the net. So the Oilers win 4-3. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation thanks to Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 for every goal throughout the season, and you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, we're going to start with, I'm sure, a very excited JP this evening. Go ahead, JP. This be an understatement. I'll tell you right now, I am pumped. I am pumped right now. I'm sitting here. I've had a few drinks. I'll keep it. I'll keep it short and sweet tonight. Because I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Last game, my God, I was on pins and needles on the end of my seat, hoping that the Oilers might get a nice win. They come out flat. Oh, we're on the beach. Look at us, guys. We're in Florida. Let's get a suntan. Let's get a suntan. Put on the lotion. Dry saddle look last. Last game, dry saddle, I'll tell you right now, dry saddle look like a, a dry saddle on a, uh, on a stable horse, not moving. He was doing nothing last game. Tonight, a little more excitement, a little more junk. The Oilers were in. Whatever McClellan say, I'll tell you right now, this is the difference. This is the difference between having a coach who does not get a little fire under the saddle. I'm talking a lot about saddle tonight, but it doesn't matter. I'll tell you right now, McClellan... Burn a little, burn a little. They got the they got the guys fire up tonight. That's what the McClellan know. And you know, I'll tell I'll tell you why. Because the Oilers last game, flat, flat, flat. Come on, play, play. I don't want to play. I don't want to play. And tonight, everyone come out ready to rock. Get two points. <laughs> I can't wait to buy a playoff ticket. Finger it, finger up. Right on, JP. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, Dreisaitl did have a good game. Wound up playing twenty one minutes sixteen seconds, uh, just a little below even in the faceoff circle. Seven for fifteen. 
certainly, you know, he and McDavid just, just connecting so well. Dreisaitl was robbed twice in the first mm-hmm. period, once by Reimer, and once Reimer didn't get across, but Ekblad just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and he, he blocked the shot with his skate. So that's what we talked about. You just felt like eventually those two guys were going to find a way to hit the score sheet, and they did with Russell following up the play. All right, you can also text 630-630, but we'll keep going with the phone calls right now because we have Houston standing by. Hey, Houston. Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to have a couple comments. Uh, one's a positive and one's not necessarily a negative, but a opportunity for the team. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on how the Oilers start the Connor McDavid line. Now, I know in theory you'd start him in the offensive zone like they, most of the time they do. I think his offensive zone starting position is usually about 55% of his shifts. But he seems to be the most productive when he's on the rush. And I know that sounds kind of obvious, but if you start him in the defensive zone more often than you would the offensive zone, just his offensive ability with dry side just causes too many odd man rushes that I know tonight we probably could have had a couple more goals. And you give him that opportunity, you can't turn him aside that many times. The, the reason they don't start him in the defensive zone faceoffs or try not to as much is if they lose the draw, now they're in their own zone. And if it if it's a long time, it could be, you know, 15, 20, 25 seconds stuck in your own zone. Once they get it, they're dumping it in and changing. So that that's the, the big reason. that If they lose the draw, and first of all, McDavid is not good on face-offs. Dry settles better. But if they lose the draw, well, now all of a sudden they're starting in their own zone and they may not get out of it. So why not take full advantage of being in the offensive zone? And if they lose a draw there, at least they're forechecking. So that's why you start them in the offensive zone more and you don't in the defensive zone. Okay. Because um, the percentage of shots when you're coming in on the offensive zone, you're giving yourself so much more room to succeed. And I believe Connor McDavid, about half of his stats, or sorry, half of his points so far have come via an odd man rush, whether directly or indirectly. And the more opportunities I figure you give him to get one of those, the more points he's going to get and the more chances and the more uh, just opportunities you have for the team. But, yeah, um, not only that is then on those automatic rushes. Uh, you see it now with the goalies as they're playing, the positioning on him along with the defenseman. He's almost too much of a pass-first player. No, you're absolutely right. And we talk about this a lot, Reed and I, that right now Connor McDavid is a very, very unselfish hockey player. He wants to make his teammates better. He wants to make them look good. And one way to do that is when they are open, he tries to get them the puck. And teams know that, and teams see the video, and they talk about it, and the goaltenders and the defense, and if they're playing an odd man rush, they know that 95% of the time he's passing the puck. So they're playing that. They're trying to take away the pass, or the goaltender's cheating. He's going to learn it. Um, he's just barely over, what, 100 games in his career, something along that line. He's going to learn bet more, and he's going to start shooting. When he starts shooting, and he's got a great shot, he's going to start scoring. When he starts scoring on odd man rushes, on two-on-ones, on three-on-twos, then all of a sudden they're not going to be able to cheat against him, and that will open up the passing lanes again. So uh, to me, it's simple, simply this. He's an unselfish player that wants to make his teammates better. He's got to be a little bit more selfish, and that'll come with time. 
McDavid with an assist tonight leads the NHL 68 points in 61 games. Houston, you're going to finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. If you're correct here, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 GC to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go, Kellen. Hey, loose in the blue paint. Tipped out Marcia, so out to the point. All right, so that Houston was the Huberto chance. Obviously, Cam Talbot shut the door. He's the winning goaltender. How many wins does Talbot now have this season? Is it 31 or 21? 31. You are absolutely correct. Stay on the line, okay, buddy? Sounds good. All right. Houston gets finished the play tonight as Talbot continues to be outstanding. 780-496-0063. Chris Russell gets the game winner. Let's go back to Sunrise, Florida, and hear from the Oilers number four. Um, Sector went down, so that kind of whole jumble of defensemen, you know, guys playing with different people. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens, and I thought we did a good job. I mean, you know, there's obviously a, a few things we got to clean up, but... I thought, uh, you know, when we started communicating and really talking out there, that's when you know, things get a little easier, especially when you're not used to the guy you're playing with. Um, pretty wide open game, lots end to end, lots of chances for both teams. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a team that uh, transitions the puck better than, you know, most, and then their east to west games, they, make, they can make plays for you. So um, they got high end talent, and I thought we did a pretty good job. Um, you know, there's areas we clean up, but um, they're a talented group, and they're playing well right now, so I thought we really answered the ball. You have to do that with Todd was saying. It's, it's time that some of these teams you're playing against are hungrier than even you are to try to make the playoffs, and you have to recover your game from winning. Yeah, I think so. I think internally we, we weren't real happy with the, you know, the way the last two games went, and you know, obviously the one in Tampa. Um, you know, I thought we just got out competed in the little areas, and I thought right from the start we didn't let that happen. You know, we really went after. Um, you know, we tried to make it tough on their defensemen, got fucked deep, and I thought our forwards did a real good job backtracking. All right, that's Chris Russell. Thanks to EdmontonOilers.com for that audio. The Oilers improved to 33-20-8 and on the season. Anaheim is currently playing. Regardless of how they do, the Oilers will stay in second in the Pacific Division because uh, the Oilers have uh, have played fewer games, even if Anaheim wins tonight and pulls even in uh, points. All right, uh, Chris Russell, by the way, named the first, uh, first star tonight by South Florida Media as it says on the NHL game sheet. Keith Yandel, who was outstanding tonight, mm-hmm. the second star. UC Jokin in the third star. Rob and I are going to give out the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, I thought a number of players had a great game. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. I thought he was fantastic tonight. Normally, we don't get the opportunity to name him four-star of the game because he's usually one of the first three. But, you know, tonight he played what he played 23, over 23 minutes tonight and was instrumental in setting up the game-winning goal in the third period. All right. We have Braden on line three. Braden, thanks a lot for calling. Rob Reed, how you doing? Doing well. That's good. Uh, I got three quick ones for you. Uh, first of all, uh, I could listen, as much as I like you two, I could listen to JP and Joanne for the entire hour. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Uh, secondly, um, so I had uh, the Florida feed on, because that, that was the only feed I could get, and they were particularly unhappy with the refing tonight, particularly on the third goal. I mean, 
Uh, I think we might have found a, a competitor for Stoffer in most emotional color commentator. <laughs> Was it Dennis Potvin by any chance? Uh, the ex-NHLer? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He he was adamant that uh, it was interference and then very vocal on the Hendricks uh, penalty. Well, um, Lucic might have got away with interference there. That's that's what I was wondering. As a as an Edmonton fan, I you know can't really say it uh, unbiasedly. So I was wondering what you guys thought about it. Well, the way I look at it, if that was Oscar Clefbaum backing up, and all of a sudden. Hubert and Huberto came through and sent him flying, and then they went in and scored. Yeah, I would have said, okay, seriously, he just got knocked down, and that caused a three-on-one. So I can understand now. We only saw one vantage point from on, on television. You couldn't tell if it was incidental contact, but he didn't. Lucic hit him. He uh, Petrovic went flying. And the Oilers end up getting a three-on-one because of it. So, ninety-nine uh, percent of the time, you see that called as interference. Fair enough. Uh, so, so then, uh, follow up. How how would you feel about? Uh, I know I know Rob's or uh, Reed's feelings on the offside, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm with you. I think they should just get rid of it. Um, but uh, how would you feel about an interference call? Or if you're going to challenge a play, um, if you lose the challenge, you you suffer a two minute bench finer. I don't mind that idea, actually. Uh, I mean, the, the one good thing about doing that is, and we've seen it, Reed and I did a, a home game just recently, and I think it was Dave Tippett called a, a, a coach's challenge on an, a goaltender interference they was calling it. And Reed looked up and said, There's not, that wasn't even close. And I said, well, you know, he's doing it just to get a timeout. The others just scored two quick goals. it's longer than, it's a, longer than a timeout. They had the whole thing, and it went about four or five minutes. It came back, obviously. There was no interference. The goal counted, and right off the faceoff, Arizona came down and scored. And it was hey. like, hey, so a lot of these coaches, they say, you know what? I'm going to change momentum in the game. I'm going to call a challenge a goal, even though I know it's not going to change it. But I'm going to use this thing. So, I I, I, I I agree with Reed. It's a dumb rule that should gotten rid of. I think it just takes too long. And the thing is, now I was talking to my father today. He says they're doing it in the Western Hockey League as well. Yeah. So it just it, it it just makes these games longer and it bores you. Like I mean, for five minutes you're sitting there bored to death as they go tick tock tick tock. So I think they should get rid of it. And I don't think they should add any more type of challenges in. Braden, we got about uh, forty seconds if you can get in your third point. Absolutely. Uh, actually. Rob, the the Arizona game there, that was I, I, exactly what brought up this conversation with a buddy. Uh, and lastly, I was wrong last year when I said the, the goal light would go on in uh, Ottawa, and uh, so I'm going to do it again. The goal <laughs> light's going to go on in Washington. Ooh, that'd be fun. Ooh, that'd be, a, well, that'd be a fun game, wouldn't it? If they get five in Washington, that'd be a nice one. Braden, just quickly, what was Potvin, what was he saying about the Hendricks penalty? Uh... Oh, just uh, after it happened, he was yelling, well, this doesn't do us any good, and now <laughs> oh, you make the call. Nice. Well, you know, he was uh, one of the most competitive players when he played, so he hasn't he hasn't lost that in the broadcast. <laughs> Braden, good to hear from you. You too. Okay, Chris and Randy are up next on the phone lines. We haven't had uh, news and weather for a while, though, so we'll bring you a 9 o'clock update. We have plenty more to come. You're obviously going to hear from Todd McClellan as well. The Oilers... 
outlast Florida for a 4-3 victory. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Live Center. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Jumped off, senior stick in front, quick save made by Talbot on Thornton, and how did he see that pass coming? Thornton set up by Sevier in a spectacular denial. That was in the first period. Cam Talbot stopping Sean Thornton. That's his save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot gets the win. He's 31-16-7 on the season. He made 31 stops tonight. The Oilers beat the Panthers 4-3. They are 8-0 in their last eight road games against the Florida Panthers. Thanks for joining us tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. And we have one of our regulars, Chris from Phoenix, on the line. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up, guys? Just hanging out, buddy. Hey, I didn't want to call yesterday. I didn't want to be negative. So, uh, you know, we're... uh what a, a week and a half away from uh, March first trade deadline, and we're what three points out of first in the Pacific. Yep. When was the last time that happened? That's 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 amazing. Uh, it, it's good to be an Oiler fan. Uh, like I've always said, these last ten years for us true fans that have not jumped off the bandwagon and headed either south or or wherever else it took them, it, it's rewarding. Uh, I got a little scared there when uh, Sekera left for the second time and especially with Larson gone um, but it looks like uh, on the on the, sh- on the uh, telecast they were saying that uh, Larson could be back by Friday mm-hmm. and then we got Nurse coming back too so he sh- I think he should be back on Friday too if not if, that, if that's not uh, true I, I could have swore I heard that somewhere the other day well, the, the, uh, so well, that's good yeah I think with Nurse McClellan said he would might play in the second half of the road trip so that would be Friday at the earliest and and McClellan seemed very hopeful Nurse would be back or uh, Larson would be back on Friday well that's awesome because uh, you know Lord knows we can't uh, we can't have Sekera and Larson out uh, as much as I, uh, I love uh, how Russell plays and uh, Davidson has really turned it up which is good and and it's good uh, for all the people that were trying to ship Davidson out of town. I understand uh, we we might lose him for for nothing, but you can't you just can't trade away depth of defense. And, and we see that uh, we've seen that here in Edmonton when uh, when a couple of our uh, top four guys go down in years past. We're just we're just a gong show back there. We don't know what what we're doing. So um, it's good. Nice to see Cam get the win. Um, got a little dicey there in the second period with uh, a couple of brain farts by our uh, by our Oilers. And uh, just as I was uh, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, Eberle and and Nuge and uh, and uh, Lucic they need to get the points on the board. Man, all of a sudden, the, like the second after I said that, Nuge puts the puck in the net. So mm-hmm. it's good. Uh, I'm proud to be an Oilers fan right now. Love the show. Uh, and uh, let's kick some butt on Friday. Right on, Chris. Good to hear from you. He mentioned the the, uh, the brain passing of wind in the second period on a couple of plays. Let's talk about that, Rob. I mean, the Oilers get a big goal with a minute one left in the second period. Whether you want to debate the Lucic interference or not, that's beyond Nugent Hopkins' control. He goes to the net. He's in the right place, works hard, bangs in the puck. Hendricks takes the penalty off the ensuing center ice faceoff. And the Oilers get the puck down the ice with you know 12 seconds left in the period, and then with four seconds left in the period, it's in their net. And Marshall actually had a breakaway. How mm. did that open up for him? And what did the Oilers do wrong? Well, I think they relaxed. 
I think they saw the puck go back inside Florida's end. They look every, whenever the puck goes down, a defenders always look at the clock to see how much time's left. They say, "All right, there's seven seconds to go in the period." They don't have Connor McDavid, so we don't have to worry about him going end to end. And they relaxed. The two defenders got pulled outside, and they just left the the, the middle of the ice open. the The forward there was a forward that was with them, and he kind of let up. And then it was Nuge coming, yeah, coming around, and he yeah. just kind of let up and uh, miss communication misthought by the defenders thinking he was taken and they were so wide almost at the dots on either side of the by the boards that when they tried to collapse on him it was too late and they couldn't get around him but it was just you, you should be in a prevent defense then the puck's down you, you don't have to forecheck put two guys at center put two guys at the blue line and make sure nothing gets behind you a huge huge mistake that the Oilers are very fortunate didn't come back to haunt them Oilers went 4-3 over the Panthers Randy you're up next on the phone lines but we want to check in with Todd McClellan here's his post game if you were at the game last night and then showed up and watched this one it was two different teams so um, we figured we had about 11 players last night tonight we had 20 and it takes that much to win at this time of the year. So the message got through. Um, happy that the leaders took care of a few things. Um, got tremendous games from guys that uh, had a lot of trouble last night. So it's in them. And just got to get it out every night. Like Emerly looked more involved tonight. I mean, like he was around the puck march. Certainly shooting the puck way more. Yeah, he, was, he had a tremendous night. And uh, that's what we need from him all the time. Now, with that said, it's hard to be perfect. We got Wayne Gretzky with us, and, and he didn't have a perfect night all the time. Um, there was the odd one that, that didn't go his way, uh, but good players recover from it and, uh, and learn, the, learn the lessons quick, and uh, I thought that line was much, much better tonight. He's got a goal, but he hasn't got a lot of this year, but really close to the net. Yeah, in the paint and uh, a rebound, outnumbered rush that we finally scored on. We had a few others tonight that we... Uh, Probably looking to pass a little too much, but uh, big goal. Three goals by defenseman tonight. Active, uh, you know, which usually doesn't happen when you're down a D uh, for half the night, but we uh, we still find a way to activate them and, and get them up on the rush. Clough had a great shot, so um, nice to see them contribute. <coughs> Badly hurt his Sekra. Well, bad enough he didn't finish the game, uh, but I think it's more a uh, soft tissue muscle thing than, than anything else, so... We'll see how he is tomorrow. Um, and Russell jumping up into the play. It's hard to believe he's got the puck a lot, but it's hard to believe that was his first goal there. He's had some chances. Um, you know, earlier in the game on, I don't know if it went to Cassian or Griba, whoever scored that goal, uh, it hit the post. So he's had some tough luck when it comes to, uh, to offense and, and finishing, but uh, made no mistake with, uh, with a shot. He put it in the right spot. It's a tough team to play. They're wide open entertaining they get the puck and they they go well they're they don't play defensive they have well i wouldn't say that um they have size and the size can move which makes it hard and they protect a lot of pucks so if you're not sharp if you get lazy at any point they can uh, they can certainly attack quickly second period looked like it might have been a backbreaker well, we talked about that um one of the things we said if we woke up this morning and we knew all 20 guys would be playing the way they were at the end of the second and it was tied would we take that and we all agreed we would so let's get back at it and uh it doesn't matter how they got the third or when uh they got it and we've got to come back and play again so do you have to reinforce the message now from like until the end of the season that while you've got this amount of points or the teams you're playing might be more desperate than you are so you have to raise your level the well, haven't been in this situation before where 
we're humans. Um, you know, the players are humans, so that reinforcement, I know your mom still phoned you till the bitter end and told you things that had to be reinforced all the time. So we're humans, and uh, we've got to keep reminding them, and we've got to understand where we are and, and how desperate teams are at this time of the year. So, um, yeah, we'll have to keep reminding well, I don't know if my mom's going to call the show, but I know she was probably extremely tense watching this game because she, my mom, Rob, is an absolute basket case watching the Oilers or the Eskimos. Now, I don't get to watch Oilers games with her. We did last year. Was it last year or the year before? Your oh, they dropped came, by New yeah, Year's Eve came, that one day right, with the dogs. With us, watched yeah. a little bit of the game with us, for sure. But uh, that was head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, good comments there. Very, heaping a lot of praise on his team tonight. Said everybody worked hard. Uh, singled out Eberly, who had five shots tonight. Wound up picking up an assist and the, also the key there about the injury Andre Secra will be evaluated tomorrow appears to be more of a soft tissue injury so hopefully he's good if not Friday at least uh, maybe Sunday or Tuesday as the road trip winds down. Oilers beat the Panthers 4-3 we'll bring in Randy at 780-496-0063 Hey Randy Oh yeah Bring on the playoffs So I gotta say yeah Alright thanks Randy Randy Macho Man Savage, second appearance on the show. He was a lot quicker this time than he, he was the first time. Yeah, he should be one of your celebrity uh, guys at the beginning of the game to pick goal of the game, first goal of the game. You well, get celebrities to do it. I mean, to have a, what was he in, was that WWF, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Kellen Kennedy knows. How, when did the actual yeah. Macho Man pass away? Was 2011. It? 2011, yeah. okay. So this current incarnation of the Oilers is so exciting, it's raising the dead. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> We were talking about zombies earlier. It's the zombie Randy Macho, man. Cool. We are like the in-show with the, with the we, living we, dead. We really are. Uh, this texter, uh, Salty from Leduc, says, uh, how many players can the Golden Knights select from one team in the draft? One each. Yep. They get one each. So the Oilers will lose a, a player. player. And that's it. They win 4-3 tonight. Uh, text 630, 630, our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. I, I guess, again, it's the adjustment going down to five defensemen for a, a large portion of the game. What were the final ice times here? I know you mentioned a couple of them, Rob. Uh, Davidson plays 2012. Benning plays 2553. Clefbaum plays 2632. Uh, Russell plays 1955. And Griba seventeen twenty. Oh, Griba, Griba played seventeen twenty and got an assist tonight. So yeah, I mean they. they it, I mean I, I said all summer that even with the Larson acquisition, it was probably going to be mostly a defense by committee team. Well, the committee lost a pretty important. Uh, they've lost two important members over the last two games with Larson and uh, and Secker going out. So they they neither one appears to be out long term, and that's an important thing to to remember tonight. The, the, Todd brought it up there in the post game as well. If you missed it earlier, the Griba goal is no longer the Griba goal. It's the Cassian goal. Kajula worked it back to the point. Russell took the shot off the post. Griba fired in the rebound. So it was originally Griba from Russell and Kajula. And that's what we saw. Then it was Griba from Latestu and Russell. So we thought it must have hit Latestu before it hit the post, come out and gone to Griba. And now it's Cassian from Griba and Latestu. So all five guys who were on the ice at one point have uh, in a <laughs> have two, in a two second goal. span they all touched the puck. I mean, I'd, I'd have to see that again to see a couple of those assists. But what it does show is guys are going around the net. 
Yeah. Because both Letestu and Cassian touched the puck being around the blue paint. So good on them. And, and again, depth scoring tonight. You know, you got a, a goal out of the Nugent Hopkins line. Nuge scores. You get uh, the goal by Cassian, so that's your third line scoring. Obviously, Russell scored playing with McDavid, too, so there, there's three of your lines that scored tonight, and then Clefbaum, that was on the, the, he was with the first line at that time. So three of the four lines scored tonight. That's what you need to do to win hockey games, and obviously, tonight the, the Oilers desperately needed players to step up, and they did, and they need players to step up with when injuries came in. So right now, the Oilers are missing three of their top five defensemen. Yet, guys have filled in and filled in admirably. Who would have thought that here in February, when during training camp, that Matthew Benning would be playing 26 minutes a night and looking comfortable Very out there? Very good again. Looking nice. good. Instead of when we've seen in the past where all of a sudden uh, a Schultz or an Osterley or someone has to play 25, 26 minutes because you have no choice. So the Oilers' depth on the back end uh, is, is, is really rewarding uh, this team with, with wins here late in the season. All right. The Oilers needed one more. We were hoping they were going to hit that empty net. I even was hoping Talbot was going to take a shot when that one rolled into him to turn on the Japanese Village goal light. They score five or more in a game. That's what we do on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. All right, Greg and... Simmerin are on hold. The Oilers win 4-3 over the Panthers. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. From the Terry this Broadcast is Overtime Center. Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Jula right corner, trying to break this one-one tie. A blast, Russell, off the post, rebound, Grima scores! 2-1 Edmonton. Grima with his second of the year and well, there's the goal we were talking about. Winds up being credited to Cassian. Three times the Oilers tonight went up by a goal, and Florida tied it. The fourth time, the Panthers could not pull even, and Edmonton wins for the eighth straight road game against the Panthers. 4-3 is the final. Chris Russell, the game winner, with 7.58 left in the third period. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard is... Not a very long one tonight. The Bruins lead the Ducks 1-0 after 1. The Capitals win 4-1 in Philadelphia. And the Edmonton Oil Kings trail Kelowna 4-0 late in the second period. 780-496-0063 is how you reach us. And we have Greg on the line. Hello, Greg. Hey, boys. How's it going? Good. I would have called in sooner, but I was waiting for that offside uh, challenge uh, before I <laughs> called in. So um, I just want to say I liked Drew uh, Carr tonight. Uh, you know, he's a big guy, fits the team. You know, he's he's physical, he's, he's a good skater, and I thought he played pretty decently tonight. I um, also want to say that Clefbaum, uh, uh, wow, he's got a heck of a shot. So I like I don't know, I didn't really watch the whole game tonight. So um, I'd like to see him, um, you know, on the, the power play at the point or the blue line or whatever. And last thing before I let you guys go, and then I'll hang up and listen, is uh, the Patriots still suck. <laughs> well, he that hurt. That's you can, hurtful. You can I mean, dislike them, which I do, but they well, hardly suck. How could you suck. dislike the Super Bowl? I don't cheer for any New Boston England area teams. It's a personal thing. Oh, uh, don't let that get in the way of you admiring Tom and the boys. The uh, Kara played well. He played nine forty four. Took a penalty, and I, you know I understand what he's trying to do on the penalty. He's that, trying to be aggressive and get in there. So coaches don't get mad on aggressive penalties, and that was a fine penalty. It. 
he's just a bigger man, and Derek McKenzie's a much smaller man. Bigger man won on that push. You know Derek McKenzie, right? Played with him for two, three years in the minors. Great kid. And he fought his way to get into the National Hockey League, and now that he's there, he's a captain. Uh, and a great story, and he plays the game the right way. He works every single time he's out on the ice. You know, he, Greg had a question about the power play as well, and uh, somebody was asking, you know, why not move McDavid to the other side, and then he can feed Clefbaum at the top for one-timers. Well, the the the, diff, the, the hard thing on that is, the, I mean, it, it's when you're in that side, you're not, they're not respecting you to shoot. Now, the problem is McDavid doesn't shoot enough, but when he's on that side over there, he, he's never going to shoot, so they're going to start playing right in front of uh, bomb. They're just going to line up, get in his shooting lane, and say, all right, Connor, we like you where you are right there. We're not giving you this one-timer. So uh, you, you, work on, you work with what you got. I think the Oilers' power play has looked a lot better as of late. And with McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, making the plays out there, uh, they can make it work even with a left-handed shot on the back end. I mean... He's got 11 goals, and we said that's third in the National Hockey League right now for defenseman Oscar Clefbaum. And that's uh, when he's got as many as Shattenkirk, who people are clamoring to get. Now they're a little bit different type of player. Shattenkirk probably creates better than Clefbaum, but what you want from the back end is a big bomb. And we're seeing more and more now that Oscar Clefbaum, he possesses a big bomb. He has got a heavy, heavy shot. And I think he's gaining confidence. When you gain confidence in it, you start using it more and more. And hopefully we'll see that as this season progresses. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Simran on the line. Thanks a lot for calling. Well, hello, thank you. You can call me Simran or call me Ryan. One of the two. They okay. both work, right? Okay. <laughs> both work, right. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. I am very nervous. I am very nervous right now. I apologize if I sound silly. I apologize to Edmonton and all your viewer or listener. But I want to say tonight, the Oilers come over two things. Two things. Confidence and diligence. This is the success for any hockey game. Total read, total rock, doesn't matter. Confidence, diligence. Thank you. Thanks so for calling. We appreciate it. Well, I mean, I, I just, I think those two things are obviously important to being successful. I, I, I think tonight a big thing was, Rob, they they recognized the flaws in last night's game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know I, I know a couple of weeks ago the Oilers lost a game and, and someone texted and said, well, they, they didn't work hard enough. And I said, you know, it's not always hard work. Sometimes you get beat. But last night, I think it was hard work yep. and commitment. They didn't commit to, you know, we had a great text from a, a texter who calls himself Roadhammer who says there was too much stick checking and not enough body checking. Well, tonight you could tell right away. They were trying to play inside the equipment. They were trying to be physical. They were trying, they were, they were engaged in a lot of puck battles as opposed to being like, oh, well, now I'll try to get it that the other guy already has it as opposed to trying to get it first. They didn't win every battle. Florida still made a lot of good plays, but I, I just think that they last night maybe woke them up a little bit and they were like, oh, yeah, geez, we didn't do all the stuff that got us the previous 31 wins that we had. Well, t- tonight it was the compete level was higher. You know, last night there was compete from half the team, but the Oilers aren't good enough to, to win consistently with only half the team. Going tonight there was compete from everyone. And certain players were called out, not by name, by Coach Coach McClellan, but he more or less between the lines said who he wanted to be better and needed to be better. 
And those guys were better tonight. The second line was very good tonight. The Nugent Hopkins, Everly, and Lucic line, they created things. They got in there. There was battle. And they need that. When they battle, they're, they're effective. They got skill. But you need the battle. And tonight, the battle throughout the lineup uh, was very good tonight. And they beat a, a Florida team that has been playing very, very well as of late. And they beat them on Florida's home ice. Florida had won five in a row. They're playing actually nine straight games against the Western Conference. They're now 6-2 and two on that stretch. Still one to go. Uh, just quickly here, somebody was asking why Tampa Bay was awarded their last goal last night. That is a rule that if a player has an unimpeded opportunity at an empty net and is fouled or a stick is thrown at him or whatever, they just award the goal. If the goalie had been in net, it would have been a penalty shot. But with the goalie pulled, they just award the goal. So, yes, somebody's asking, is that the rule? That is the NHL rule. Another uh, couple texts I want to get to. Rocket is next on the phone lines. The Oilers pull it out in the third, 4-3 over the Panthers. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Standing lead pass, open as Nugent Hopkins left wing. The trailer, wrist shot, save made by Reimer, rebound, Nugent Hopkins, Jansen home! 3-2 to two Edmonton with a minute one to play in the second period. Nugent Hopkins with his 13th of the year. It gave the Oilers a very temporary 3-2 lead late in the second period. Back to Sunrise, Florida. Here's RNH. He's got the win, but uh, how did it compare and contrast to what we saw last night in Tampa? Uh, it was miles above where we were uh, last night for sure. I mean, uh, it was pretty obvious to, to us on the bench. I mean, we had uh, all 20 guys going tonight, and um, we're working for each other. We knew that uh, last night, even against Chicago, I mean, Tal's uh, so I was heading against Chicago and I got us the win there, but past couple of uh, games haven't been the best, so tonight we need a stronger effort, and uh, we, you saw it tonight. That team was coming in hot. Uh, did you guys have the requisite desperation as Todd talked about in the last couple of days? Yeah, we were definitely a little bit more desperate. I mean, uh, like you said, that these guys have uh, been rolling as of late, so uh, we knew we had to come in and uh, um, try to get off to a good start, and that's what we did, and uh, just kind of built from there, and uh, we did a really good job of not really letting up. Uh, they they pushed back a lot, but uh, we found a way to get it done. All right, yeah, the Oilers do figure it out. Florida kept fighting back, but the Oilers get the winner in the third from Chris Russell. Nugent Hopkins also 53% in the face-off circle tonight. He's obviously struggled in that regard, but he had a good game today. Oilers win 4-3, is our phone number. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 934, and we have Rocket calling in. Hey, Rocket. Hey boys, how you doing? Glad, uh, glad the Oilers got the win. But uh, I want to—I'm going to pose a question to you. I was going to put a comment on, and you played the Hopkins uh, video or audio there. So uh, I'll ask you a question: Who do you think was the worst line out of the four? If you had to pick one tonight, and the only reason I'm asking is because I'm trying to figure out if I watched the same hockey game or not. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought, like Todd said, I thought everybody competed pretty hard. I, I, I will say I didn't think the Nugent Hopkins line had a great first period, but I thought yeah, they were much I, better in periods okay, two and we three. We were watching the same game. Yeah, I thought the first two peri- periods they were they were pretty bad, and I thought the the third period, you know, they were obviously better. So if you're Todd McClellan, are you do you let these guys like not cave in to these players that are trying to work their way through it? And leave them on the same line, or, or do you continue to play the shuffle game? Well, to me, it's easy. Your your first line's got to stay together. They're too good to break up. 
and they've tried a number of times because they haven't got secondary scoring. So they said, okay, we're going to put Drysdale down, see if he can get some of these guys going. But what's happened is it hasn't gotten the other guys going, and Drysdale and McDavid uh, are good at all times, but they're great when they're together. So I say you leave the first line together, and right now you you give. Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, and Lucic some rope, and you let them run with it because there's no one right now below them that is capable of being a top six forward. I don't yeah, believe. That's the problem. Yeah. So I think that you let them go, and yeah, I agree. And hopefully they'll find their game. I mean, it's coming. There's been signs of it in certain games where they've been better. Uh, they, I mean, Nugent Hopkins has been good. Not great, but good in his in his time here for the others. Eberle's led the team in scoring three times. So they do have talent. Lucic was brought in. He's had good years. They just oh, yeah. So the, the, it's not like it's you, you put three dummies together and said, okay, you guys make magic. These guys have, have been good, and Everly and Nugent Hopkins have had success together. So you just got to hope that they get out of this funk and somehow forget about what's happened throughout the season and say, all right, we're starting tonight, and we're going to put forward a good final 21, 22 games, a good playoff season. And if they can do that, then all of a sudden the Oilers are a, uh, a team you don't want to play against because they've got two lines capable of scoring. Because the third and fourth lines, for the most part this year, have, have done their job. I mean, I they agree. so been really good. So here's hoping. Yeah, right on. I agree with you, hundred percent. Okay, thanks very much, you guys. Okay, thanks, Rocket. We'll talk to you again seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Here's a tough question: What happens with Benoit Pouliot? I mean, if if he's healthy, is there someone that comes out so he plays again? Um, like Packerinen's been doing a good job. I like Packerinen better. Kara is okay. Small sample size, uh, some young depth. Hendricks and, and we've had discussions about Hendricks on this show. Maybe he's not an every game player, but I, I don't think you can doubt what he's been able to contribute recently. Pouliot, at best, is a third line player. At best, that can penalty kill. And and you put when he goes in the lineup, he, he's got a much shorter leash. And if he brings the effort and, and and he helps your penalty kill, then yeah, he's in the lineup. But we've seen games where you don't notice him. And you have to notice them. Whether you're playing seven minutes or you're playing 17 minutes, you have to be noticed in your ice time. So the unfortunate thing right now, the Oilers don't have a whole lot of depth up front. And that would be, to me, the one thing that Peter Shirelli looks at the trade deadline. Depth players, especially depth depth wingers. Someone, because right now, the Oilers are pretty thin. Yeah. Well, and here's the interesting thing. And then Bob and I were talking about this. I, I said to to Bob, you know, maybe the Oilers, because Peter Shirley said he would want to tinker. And I said, maybe he tinkers in terms of trying to make a Patrick Maroon-type deal. And Bob said, well, that wasn't tinkering. He's one of the top scorers on the team. But my point was, when that trade was made, I, I don't think Peter Shirley in his wildest dreams thought that Patrick Maroon would be the third leading goal scorer on the team. No. Right? Well, we gave up a guy that was... Or tied for, sorry, tied for second, actually, with McDavid. Was it Martin Gurnett that we gave right. up? Right. So I'm wondering if there's somebody out there like Maroon where he doesn't quite fit in with his team. You know, he's got a big body. He's got some offensive ability. And maybe that's a guy who, who comes in and, and plays on the third line who can score a little bit more often and has a more reliable work ethic. So instead of a rental of an older player that you know is going to be gone, 
You're trading for a guy that maybe is a depth player somewhere else. Maybe he's 25 to 29. Yeah, so it's a depth player somewhere else that just hasn't been able to crack it consistently, and maybe this is the chance that he needs. Right. Yeah, that, Maroon has taken that and exceeded it. Yep, absolutely. But he, he was he was a trade that they were bringing Maroon here. He wasn't just a rental. And I think that's what you're trying to say. We're not. I mean, I don't. I agree with that. Instead of bringing in a rental, you're going to have for six weeks. I mean, I, I love Jerome McGinley, but I don't think he's the answer because you want. He, he's past his prime. He's not going to come in here and score goals. Uh, I think that you you can go after Verbata if you can get him, or you do do what you do. Go find a guy that can fit in. Someone that's not just here for six weeks. Someone that you think, oh, you know what, this could be a death player for us for a while. See, I mean, guy, and you know what, Brandon and I talked about this last summer, and he's not having a great year this year because he only has 10 goals and he's minus 12, but I've always liked Riley Smith, for example, for Florida. You know, no. Craig Smith for Nashville, a guy who always seems to score 15 to 25 goals. They they, they work hard. They they get into dangerous areas of the ice. they got decent shots. Now, I don't... You're probably going to have to give up players, more, though. Right, and those specific players yeah. probably aren't going to be traded, no. but that's that's another interesting thing when, when you look at tinkering. And somebody has... Uh, texted in saying, well, if the Oilers trade away Davidson, who does Vegas take in the I think expansion they, draft? I think they take Reinhardt then. So trading away Davidson, all of a sudden you're losing two depth players on defense, I think, because you lose Davidson and then all of a sudden a guy like Reinhardt, who was, was he overall? Third overall? Fourth overall. Fourth overall. So now you, I mean, there's a good chance that Vegas says, all right, I mean, let's give, he's a six foot five defenseman that's taken fourth overall. Let's take him. Now all of a sudden he lost two depth defensemen. Do you think they want to protect Kara? They might, especially if he plays decent down the stretch. And this is the thing, there's still a lot of time. There's tons of time to get more information on how some of these guys play. Yeah. You know, the expansion deadline's way past the trade deadline. Because there's it's seven forwards, correct? Yes, or you can go. Well, they'd eight go skaters. Yeah, them, but they'd go seven. They'd go seven forwards, right? Unless, of course, if you if you did sign Russell, well, then you would have to go for four, four defensemen. Somebody says, "What about Anton Lander? He's too good not to play." Well, but but that's I I don't agree with that because no. he he does not produce anything beyond a decent penalty killing at the NHL level. He yep. does not check hard enough. He is not quite fast enough. He does not shoot quite well enough. He doesn't see the ice quite well enough. I mean, he's kind of below average at almost everything in the NHL except face-offs yep. and penalty killing. That's not that that's not valuable, but you need to have some other element. There, there's, there's better out there that can do the same job as him. I agree. Uh, this texture says, is there a disadvantage in waving Pouliot and sending him down for a bit? Well, only that you're paying him that much to play in the minors, but and they're already doing that with Mark Fain. I mean, I think we have to be realistic here about Pouliot's future. He's got he, two more years. He he could wind up in the minors next year, all year, and then be bought out after that. He could. I mean, right now... You're but not, he'll get another shot in training camp. Yeah, but right now you're not sending him down. The, I mean, the others, again, don't have depth on the wings. They don't. I mean, the only guy that's in the minors right now that you would call up is Pouliot. It's a very good mm-hmm. call up. Yep. But he wasn't ready to play before, so that's all you got. So it's not like... And what, do we have a forward sitting now right now? We don't, do we? Oh, oh sorry. Well, Slepeshev. 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 So you have one forward sitting out, and PRV in the minors, and then Pouliot. So that's your depth. So there's not a whole lot of it. 
Oilers win 4-3 over the Florida Panthers. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Brown Team This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Boston and Anaheim now tied 1-1, five minutes into the second period. Washington winning tonight 4-1 over the Philadelphia Flyers. The Oilers get a 4-3 win in Florida. Oilers and Capitals will be the matchup on 6:30. Chet on Friday night. That'll be a fun one to see how the Oilers do against one of the top teams in uh, the NHL and really one of the best teams over the last several seasons. Uh, Rob, uh, we're going to get to Oscar Kleffbaum in a second here. You mentioned earlier, tied for third in the NHL, in goal scoring by a defenseman behind only Brent Burns, who is scoring like a forward, and Shea Weber, who has 14 goals, Clefbaum with 11. Uh, I mean, Clefbaum can shoot the puck, and, and and we've seen him too a couple times jumping up in the play and finishing. So that's been uh, that's been a nice surprise that he's up to 11. It has been. I, he, he's always had a little bit of offensive upside compared to what we you know a, a Larson or. or or players that we've seen in the past, but you never saw the confidence in his game. He wants to jump up now. He wants the puck. He's thinking shoot. Uh, there had been times in the past where, you know, he probably has the opportunity to shoot, but he he would pass off or he'd put the puck into the corner, just worried that it was going to get blocked. But now he, he's shooting every time he gets the opportunity, and it's heavy. And that's what, you know, you, you watch him walk into the shot, and you're like, holy smokes. It's getting to the net very, very quickly, and it's catching a lot of goaltenders off off guard. So I, I understood when the one texter texted in about why not move McDavid to the other side because we've seen now a couple times, like it, it, it was a one-timer that he took. It was a one-timer that bounced off the boards, but when he can walk into it, he whistles it. So I know that it's, the other's they got Latestu that plays up on the right side on the power play. Now, he's, he's able and capable of making that pass to Clefbaum for the one-timer, but the Oilers, if they want to move further in, in, in the stands, if they want to go further in the playoffs, they've got to get production from the back end. They've got guys that can, can move the puck up front. That are, They like to get in there quick, and then they do the little loop, and they look for the fourth guy coming. The Oilers now have guys that are jumping up in the play. A Sekiro will. We saw Russell tonight. Clefbaum, when Nurse is healthy, he does it all the time. And a young player like Benning, who's got good offensive instincts. So the Oilers are now adding something to their arsenal. And it's it's one thing to, if you're uh, playing Anaheim in the playoffs, if you're a Kessler going up against McDavid to try and shut McDavid down and shut his line down. But when they have defensemen jumping in, it just makes it that much harder. And the others adding that to, to, to their game plan right now, and it's been effective. And another thing to remember about Clefbaum is, I mean, he, he's not shy about shooting. He has the third most shots on the team behind McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. He's only three shots behind Nugent Hopkins. His shooting percentage for the year, too, is 7%. So, I mean, if he had 11 goals and he was shooting 20%, then you'd be sitting there thinking, like, okay, this is never going to happen again. But it makes you optimistic, you know, a relatively kind of normal shooting percentage for a defenseman so it makes you optimistic to think well maybe he can you know repeat double digit goal seasons well two things about his shot one is heavy and two he gets it through you know the one player that they tried a lot on the back end in the power play was Sacro but the problem for for Sacro was he wasn't getting pucks through he was hitting defense he's hitting sorry he's hitting wingers up high and the puck is bouncing and going out of the zone and it just killed the whole offensive play Oscar Clefbaum gets pucks through 
He, he's smart. He's able to to adjust his angle, move along the line a little bit to give himself a better shooting lane, and then he gets it through. He's got a, a good snapshot, but he's got a heavy slap shot. And we forget, too, that he had a goal last night that was disallowed by a quarter of an inch on an offside. So that would have been 12 goals on the season for He's having a very, very good season right now. It started slow, but he's picked it up, and he's become a very, very important part on the offensive side of it right now for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, let's go back to Sunrise. Here is Oscar Clefbaum. Would you compare the two? I think we played a better game today overall. I mean, uh, five on five, I think we played uh, a very solid game. But I mean... uh, they got some momentum in the power play, so it's uh, it's very easy to get frustrated when uh, when I think we played a solid game, but it's still even coming out uh, in the in the third. But I think we stick to our game plan and play, played a very solid third period, and it was nice to see Russell score that game-winning goal. Uh, so it feels really good right now. Defense doesn't get three goals in a game very often. The first time this year, the defense has got three goals. So. No, it was uh, it was a good game to do it. I mean. Uh, it, it's tough to play uh, those kind of games when we lose a defenseman pretty early in the game, but I think we, we played a really solid game in the back end. I mean, it feels like we have a decor is in a really good shape, so playing those kind of minutes just help us. Second, it could have been a, a backbreaker. I mean, their power play goal. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy, and like I said, it's very easy to to lose focus uh, in that situation, especially when when it's just a couple of seconds left, and, and we just scored a big goal for us. So, but uh, uh, like I said, we kept it together and stayed focused and played a solid third, and that gave us the win tonight. Chris Russell with the winner in the third. His first as an Oiler, his first since February 11th of 2016, 4-3 over Florida. Philip texts again. He says, Reed, you just described Anton Lander. Now, if R&H did not have that contract, would he not fit this description also? Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not living up to a first overall pick. Uh, Philip, well, first of all, I agree. Ryan Nugent Hopkins this year does not look like a first overall pick, and he's not living up to his contract. Second of all, he is a flat-out far superior player to Anton Lander, and if you don't trust me, trust Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan because they're the ones that keep sending him down. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. No, I, Nugent Hopkins has not played the way he needs to play and has played, but he has still played way, way better than Anton Lander ever could. I mean, there's no comparison. Zdeno no. Chara just scoring here for Boston, so they go up on Anaheim 2-1, so uh, the Bruins potentially, uh, well, a lot of time left, but if they beat, uh, the Oilers are in second place regardless of what happens, because once this game is done, the Oilers will have a game in hand on the Ducks. But if Boston wins or wins, well, any sort of win, the Oilers are flat out ahead of Anaheim because of more points anyway for uh, second in the Pacific Division. And they are uh, three back of San Jose for first place. The Sharks have a game in hand. You and I were just talking about Oscar Clefbaum's heavy shot from the point. <laughs> Zdeno Chara has the heavy shot from the point, an absolute bomb he just scored against the Anaheim Ducks right there. All right, so we hope Larson will play on Friday. Sekera will see. I mean, if 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 neither guy can go, then there's a call up, or Darnell Nurse, or or Darnell or Darnell Nurse might be healthy. That's the other thing. If if uh, Sekera comes back, if Larson comes back, and Nurse comes back, then you know Davidson and Griba come out. I think is the obvious solution. I would think so, and, and this is why whenever we have callers say, okay, when so-and-so comes back, who do you pull out? Well, whenever you're talking about defensemen, you got to wait because there always seems to be a, at least one defenseman hurt. The others have eight defensemen they can play and feel very confident with in in their lineup right now on the back end, and then you got a couple down in the minors in, in a, an Osterle, a, a Fane, 
so the, the Oilers are set pretty well right now on the back end. That's why I don't think they're going to have to make any moves at the trade deadline because I think they do have the depth that a lot of teams wish they had on the back end. And the Ducks just tied it 2-2, 12-18 to go in the second period. Fun to watch the scoreboard, eh, for playoff positioning. That's pretty cool. The Oilers win 4-3 tonight over the Panthers. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630shed.com. Chris Russell, his first as an Oiler, is the game winner. Other goal scorers, Nugent Hopkins, Cassian, and Clefbaum. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Our next Oilers broadcast is Friday. We have a 3.30 in the afternoon face-off show. The game against the Capitals will start at 5. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to our analyst Rob Brown. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Final Oilers 4, Panthers 3. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.